Hello, this is UCI Chancellor Dr. Howard Gilman. When I'm not busy dealing with the regents of the University of California, I like to unwind with KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine or online at KUCI.org. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. Scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the great robot wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. Good evening. This is your host, Carrie Rhodes of the Parenting Hour. And tonight I'm going to have a great guest on with me. You're going to have Jeffrey James. And to tell you a bit about Jeff, he is a Reikian somatic psychotherapist in Boulder, Colorado. And he works with men, women, couples, men's groups, and members of the LGBT community in an emotion-focused, body-centered way. And his work centers on relationship, both with self and other, and the ways that unacknowledged trauma can inform how we are in relationship. And he also works in the realms of soul and shadow while using awareness practices as a means to clarify our unique purpose in life. And his website is www.3leavescounseling.com and I'm so thrilled to have him on air today. Uh, Jeff, are you here with us? I'm here with you, Carrie. Well, fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. And so I'm really thrilled to bring your work to our listening audience and really looking at these different ways that we show up in relationships. So looking at the self and communicating openly versus this concealment and all these ways we show up, especially when you're looking at honesty and shadow work. So maybe um, tell, tell our listening audience a little bit how you decided to go into um, somatic psychotherapy. Well, it was largely because of my own experience with um, an orgone therapist, which is a version of somatic therapy, uh, as a client, um, mm-hmm. and realizing that there were certain things that could not talk our way out of, mm-hmm. or even talk our way into, let alone figure out uh, a way to have relief or to have a sense of clarity about what might be occurring. And so uh, that was the main and the central reason for me going into being a somatic therapist. Oh, wow. Fantastic. And so mm-hmm. now, are you finding your work is more with couples or more groups works, or where where do you find it's pulling you and leading you? Um, definitely relationships, intimate partnerships, whether that's a, a man and a woman or um, a man and a man, woman or woman. Um, that's the realm that calls me the most because I feel like we need so much help in relationship. Um and because we're typically, especially in this culture in the, in the United States, set up for failure. Mm. 
So talk to me about that. How are we set up from failure from the beginning? Do, I mean, do you think it's like these cultural expectations we see, or is it that we move to um, sexual intimacy so quick? Uh, I, I see that as being one of these things where it seems like with this swipe right culture that there's no time to convolt, you know, um, cultivate getting to know someone. Yeah, I like. I haven't heard that swipe right culture. Of course, we're talking about Tinder. <laughs> you can use uh, that. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think all those are contributing factors. Uh, the the relational model that we're handed, sure, like from the fifties, sort of that the the Cleaver uh, mm. Ward and June Cleaver model, or yeah. um, you know, you name it in terms of pop culture. Um, the things are great. You you find the love of your life. And it's happy, you know, happily ever after at the sunset kind of thing. And that's one of the most destructive, uh, limiting, uh, insidious messages that we receive as individuals and then perpetuate as couples. Because the minute anything goes wrong, and wrong as it quotes here, which is just human conflict because it happens because we're human, uh, then suddenly something must be wrong with the relationship or something must be wrong with us. So you only have a couple of options there, right, which is ignore it. Mm-hmm. And that typically doesn't go very well, especially when something persists. Right. Uh, it's like, or, leave, like leaving uh, a splinter in your foot, right? You can't, you can't really ignore it too long. Right. <laughs> yeah, great example. You, you, you have a consistent problem with your, your partner. Yeah, it's, uh, you. it's, it's yeah. a little like having a piece of wood in your thigh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, it's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. It's good. No problem. It's good. No pain yep. here. Yeah. I've got it. So, yeah, and, and to, to you know, go further with that analogy, at some point, you're going to have to amputate your leg. <laughs> right. And the same thing will be true of a relationship with unexamined uh, conflict. Mm. That eventually, you, you know, either someone's going to cheat on somebody right. uh, or you're going to blow up or you're going to just continually grow apart right. and be pretty unhappy in your relationship. Well, and it seems that, you know, like you said, it's this initial, this fire, right? Oh my gosh, this person's so exciting, this and that. And we're, you know, we're staying up until, you know, 5 a.m. talking. And now we're going on a a morning hike because the sun is rising and we're getting coffee and it's (laughs) magical scrambled eggs. And all of a sudden, you know, that's not sustainable in a relationship. And so I think that people think, well, you know, this excitement adventure is fading. So, you know, love must be on the decline. And therefore, then, you know, I should probably leave the relationship now before I gets too boring or something happens or right yeah again with the the setup in terms of expectations um i was listening to a podcast from a man named alain de Botton, who's a philosopher and an author and he also speaks about uh, intimate partnerships and the way we're set up is to put on our best face mm. show our best sides you know wear our best duds talk mm-hmm. about how great we are so we can snag our you know, ultimate partner, find the one. And that's part of that setup is we're we're human. (laughs) We have faults (laughs) and we just perfectly collide with the person that's going to expose those faults. We find this over and over. And what Botan says is that instead of going in and saying how great we are and trying to woo our potential mate with all of our great qualities, our peacock feathers, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, talking instead about this is the way I'm crazy. This is the way I'm messed up. <laughs> Here's here are the things I know about me that are crappy. You know, right, I'm cranky right. in the morning, or I, you know, I 
I don't like sitcoms or no matter I how much I brush. Is. Yeah, no matter how much I brush my tongue, maybe I still have bad breath. We don't know, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so then, how do we? So that I mean, I love this thought process, which is, yeah, how are we screwed up? How do we talk about that? And I like the idea of of talking about maybe some of these harder topics up front in relationship, as opposed to waiting like four years down the road when you go, oh, I I really didn't know we had completely altering life values and so what is you know and that can happen for people like oh i didn't know that so how do we how do we change these expectations how do we how do we come in with clear intention and i think in my mind the least amount of mask possible you know none of this none none of these masks where it's like hey we're fantastic we look amazing every moment of the day you know all, all these things how do we change that expectation how do we make it cleaner for couples well, I, I think there's at least two parts that come up for me around this. The first would be, how do we do our own work mm-hmm. um, in terms of being honest with ourselves and then being honest with the, the people that we interact with? Yeah. Um, and that could be a pretty lonely road when maybe one in a thousand other people are on board with that philosophy. Right. So, so it makes it tough. Um, and it also feels like an important start because when we're informed by our own experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's say we're on a first date and we notice an old pattern of uh, a person asks us an intimate question and we clutch up and uh, don't want to give the whole truth. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's a good like I would work with an individual or couples somatically and say, okay, well. It's clear your body's telling you something. Like there's a pattern there that it wasn't okay to be imperfect or it wasn't okay to be all the way honest, especially if you thought it might make someone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind, which is not an easy task. And in my work with couples, one of the things that I help them to practice, and when couples do this, it's remarkable what changes for the better, is to approach the little things that you have a hard time with with the other person. And typically what I'll suggest is a minimum weekly check-in where it's a devoted time. I usually suggest at least 90 minutes, if not two hours, where you set aside time to talk about, you know, when you leave the sponge in the sink full of water and soap, that really annoys me. And, you know, basically with the idea being here's a low-stake event, Mm-hmm. Right. It's not you slept with Mary from the office. It's not you know. Right. right, uh, right. I, I hate your parents. I never want to see them again. They're not these big ticket items uh, because we're so conditioned to stay away from conflict. Right. That what what I work to help couples do is to actually lean in to small conflicts and then notice what happens there when you're intentional and deliberate and you get permission both agree that, okay, let's talk about these things that are kind of annoying. Um, And then what happens over the course of weeks and months, especially and I see couples more and more, they get more comfortable. What I'll often say is you learn to flex the muscles of confrontation. Right, right. And and it is true. I mean, you mentioned the soapy rag thing. This is funny, and this comes down to 
my little kids, right? I mean, relationships get messy, get messy with both couples and, of course, just the house when you have kids. So this is fine. But I, it's so funny you mentioned the sponge thing because the biggest thing for me is if I come into the shower and the washcloth is like this sopping, floppy mess in the corner of the crack, I'm like, how can that thing even be clean? It's just nasty. So I get back out of the shower and I get a new one. I'm like, I should just check when I get in, right? But if it were my partner, I may be like, babe, check it out. I'm just needing the washcloth hung up. That's all I'm asking. Right, but if you don't mention it, eventually over time, the story might develop to be, my partner doesn't care about me. I've asked right. for this, and this thing is a sloppy heap in the corner. I can't even scrub myself with whatever's growing in the corner of the shower. I don't <laughs> So you're right. Yeah. It, it is true. And these, these small things, they really do add up. If it's um, one person feels like they're not getting enough time to have their own thing that they own. And I think that's so important, too, is that... I think in relationships, people think that each person has to be everything, and they don't. And it's so important to have your own thing, your own time, and this place to really cultivate your own being in solitude. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's something that that is so vital. Uh, I want to just kind of cap off what you were just saying, and then we can move into that, but but really, yeah, those those small things are like you're saying about <laughs> developing a story. Like yeah. my my husband my husband doesn't love me, mm-hmm. or or even more nefarious than that, my husband is deliberately putting the washcloth in the corner of the tub <laughs> and throwing dirt on it to make me furious. Yes, you yes. know. And then if you don't speak to it, of course, then how does that show up in the rest of your relationship? Right. Um, it's real important to say. So that's that whole the aggregate of these small things that. And we feel like we should be okay with, oh, it's not a big deal, it's a small thing. But when you look at it from this lens and you zoom out, that a hundred of those small things amounts to a probably pretty resentful scenario mm-hmm. each direction. Right. Because uh, you can bet they're happening both ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, too, the the bigger danger in not sharing small truths, even though it doesn't seem like a big deal, it is something. And I think that... What can happen is then your overall story, your overall picture of this person becomes clouded. You're not then seeing them in, in, in a good light in the things that they are doing well because those little things become the focus. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's very, very true. It becomes much easier to sort of manage yourself over here so you're not being a jerk for these little things, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, mm-hmm. that have added up. And so, yeah, we're really not able to be generative and and uh, generous in spirit to our partner. Um, and that reminds me of two things. I read a study that came out a couple of years ago. I, I wish I could remember the citation, but the two things feel really important to me about healthy relationships long-term. One is giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. Yes which is huge. Like, okay, you trust this person, you give them the benefit of the doubt, and this gets at that uh, having a, an individual life thing. We'll get, it, we'll get to that in just a minute because mm-hmm. it feels really important too. And the other is <clears throat> bids for attention. When couples have bids for attention and they're acknowledged. So those two things, benefit of the doubt to the partner, which is that generosity of spirit, and also really acknowledging them when they actually have something that matters to them, even if that means, I hear you, honey, uh, I can't talk about that right now because uh, I've got to leave for the office in five minutes, and can we make some time tonight after dinner? Mm-hmm. 
to talk about this thing that feels important to you. Um, and, and, and I think that rolls into this whole idea of how do you have your own individual life outside of the relationship? Right. Yeah, which we mentioned earlier, um, which feels essential, talking about the pressure we put on the modern relationship to fill all the needs of each partner. And this is where we draw on that community piece of, of how, do, how does it work in relationship with community? You know, typically right. it's, it's just the couple, and then the man goes out with the boys once every couple of weeks and drinks beer and talks about sports <laughs> and nothing else. Right. And then the woman you know, goes to some brunch with the ladies and has mimosas and giggles for a couple of hours and comes home. It's just sort of ludicrous. Right. Um, well, because think, we're separate beings, right? I mean, even though two <laughs> people have come together in partnership, whether that's just long-term partnership with marriage or without marriage, <laughs> they're there's this piece that we have to remember that we were individuals with our own identities before we got into partnership. And so if we lose that, if we lose that, we're losing kind of this unconditional love for ourselves because we're not honoring who we were and our independence. And we're not developing our abilities to both be um, in relationship, caretaking one another and also caretaking ourselves. Yeah. And, and the, the, sort of cruel thing that happens in that process, too, is you you question, wait, who the hell am I with? Right. I don't even recognize this person. Um, because it's not actually the person you fell in love with. Right. Um, and that's part of what I think, to tie this back in, is that these things are insidious. Mm-hmm. Um, when, we, when we just, like the small things that we just look away and we just think that's oh, not a big deal, one of the ways I like to help people visualize this is that, like you're... you're you're in a boat, you're in a sailboat, mm-hmm. and you think, yeah, I'm going to point, I'm headed, we're headed for that island. Looks pretty good. Let's go to the island. Sounds great. <laughs> and then each, each half degree or degree uh, that your, your sailboat moves a little to the starboard. <laughs> and then you think, oh, the island's still pretty close. I think, I think we can still make it. You know, and then you end up you know, 300 nautical miles away from this island in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and you're both pointing the finger at the other person. Ah, you were looking at the chart. No, I thought you were looking at the chart. Right. This is your fault. <laughs> right. You just get way off course, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I think in addition to this, and it always reminds me, I was thinking of it a few seconds ago, a lot of people remember the movie Jerry Maguire, and it was like, you com- you complete me. And it was this joke that went around for a long <laughs> time, right? But <laughs> the funny thing is, is that in relationships you're not really completing each other really you're evolving with one another and it didn't mean that you were incomplete before somebody came along right so i don't think i don't think this this idea that we all have to do you know uh, i'll hear a lot of friends that are still single say well uh you know as long as we like all the same activities and we agree on most (laughs) things and then you know what that's going to be pretty ideal but then you know, that's not really super, you know, it's not really a differentiating relationship at all. And it seems like a very uh, almost immature uh, thinking around relationships. Uh, You can't have all the same activities and beliefs and everything and, you know, never expect to have any conflict because the little things still happen in those relationships. 
Yeah, and it leaves you pretty bankrupt uh, emotionally to handle the big things, like especially if you have a family. And mm-hmm. you, how are you supposed to navigate challenges with your children when you can't navigate challenges in your relationship, the small ones? I mean, we all have difficulties navigating challenges, but right. yeah, but it's a very real, real thing. And I, that that whole message you complete me really is a, a criminal. My, <laughs> it is. I just thought of it. I was like, that's just, you complete me. I'm like, that just... You complete me. Yeah. Uh, because, right, I was a loser before. I was only like 51%, and you just gave me this other 39. Right, and it's pretty yeah. amazing. But yeah, and and I think, you know, when you talk about this work of showing up, what what does that look like as far as couples coming in and doing their work before they enter partnerships? What do you typically work with people on? I mean... I mean, I guess it's different for each person, obviously, but where's a starting point to do this work, to be our authentic selves? Well, I, I, I don't really do, I mean, before people move into partnership, that's ideal. Um, one of the things that I try to emphasize is that I'd like to work with couples before the Titanic is sinking. Yes, you know? that'd be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, before the sh- because that's, you know, usually part of why I think uh, you look at statistics about marital counseling and couples counseling, it's pretty grim, largely mm-hmm. because people wait so long to get help. Right. And so typically you are rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. You're just trying to get people in separate lifeboats, and this thing is going down. Right. Um, and I've worked with folks that have been years deep in their relationship, and if they can soften enough around... Um, the resentments that they've been holding or what they're not getting in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And we can help them remember who they fell in love with, who they were when they fell in love, mm-hmm. um, what it is they want in their life. And oftentimes it still turns out that zooming out in the big picture, they want similar things. Like they, right. they have enough similarities in terms of lifestyle and choices and, and uh, things they love to do that we, we sort of reestablish the ground of health of the relationship and then we get to the business of what we talked about before, which is small, bite-sized chunks of conflict resolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and, and it really sometimes what what I'll have to have folks do is like, look, you cannot talk about anything conflictual <laughs> between now and our session in next week. Yeah. It, it's not always that bad. But that's sometimes what it takes, which is the moment you see yourself or notice yourself getting activated. Because usually there's a, a loop that people get in that's pretty unhealthy, mm-hmm. um, where this thing happens and that thing happens, and then suddenly someone uses a sharp tone of voice, and then the words always and never come out at high speed and velocity mm-hmm. uh, and, and impact at one another. Um, so it's slowing down automatic behaviors, mm-hmm. habits in relating to help them be kinder to themselves and to one another, and to really, like, you know, with be their own referees to break and go to the separate corners. Right, right. And and for those of you that are just tuning in, you're listening to The Parenting Hour. I'm Carrie Rhodes, your host. And today I'm joined by Jeff James Howard. And he is a Reiki and somatic psychotherapist in Boulder, Colorado. And he's working with men and women and couples and men's groups and members of the LGBT community in emotion-focused-centered therapy. And 
Uh, we're going to post this uh, live after after our interview here. We're going to post that up on the KUCI website so you can come in if you miss part of what he has to say. It's very valuable. It's really showing up and dialoguing different in relationships. And so um, let's let's go back into this, Jeff. I'm I'm wondering, you know, you talked early on in our conversation about this time to spend and really um, talk about the relationship and the climate of the relationship or things going on. What do those conversations look like? Um, you know, if, if a couple's uh, not been together too long, maybe they just moved in, maybe they just got married. What, is this, what does this look like, the sitting down and talking about the relationship? Yeah, it typically looks like identifying what is their, what's the big pattern they have, right? And this almost invariably amounts to what, what is each of their wound? Mm. You know, what, 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 what's their sort of biggest trigger? What's their most tender spot? Um, and a, a pretty classic example would be uh, in a couple, and there are so many variations of this, but one person takes charge. Let's mm. say in this case it's the one takes mm-hmm. charge, knows what she wants, and um, is a doer. Mm-hmm. And then in shadow, that looks like being micromanaging. It looks like controlling. It looks like, you know, dominating the household, like how the, you know, how the forks are dried, how the dishes are put away, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, the husband in this case would be a pleaser, a yes man, doesn't actually know how to say no. And, and in health, that's someone who really wants to be of service and, and wants to be present and wants, loves helping people. Now, in shadow, that's a collapsed man or a collapsed little boy that, that really doesn't know how to say no, doesn't know how to stick up for himself, doesn't know how to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so you can see where that tilting out of balance, right. one person, all the commands, the other person receives them all and does all the things. Yes, yes, your um, royal highness, I shall. And which, if yeah. it's your wish. <laughs> yes, as you wish, you know, yeah. my, your highness, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Princess Bride, as you wish, and he's falling down this hill, right? Exactly. (laughs) A beautiful classic. Um, (laughs) There's some truth to that, Mm -hmm. Um, because we can end up really getting into a victim-perpetrator model, Mm -hmm. um, and not ever calling it that. So part of what the conversation can look like in this example is slowing them down and helping them to understand what this unconscious dynamic is that happens between them because they find themselves here every night or every third night or mm. every week or there's a there's a blow up every 10 days and then mm. they then they recover pretend it didn't happen play nice and then it builds up again uh and there they are in the same spot so that's part of the conversation and then one of the keys to somatic reiki and therapy is that it's working in the moment so mm. i'm really tracking each partner and when i notice tension like Say partner A says something, partner B has lots of tension, and then partner C, a partner A has some reaction to the man and the woman. Okay. Um, I'll stop people like, whoa, 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 hey, what's what's going on right now? Let me check in with you. And in this way, they get a third party who's more neutral, more objective, that can help them slow down and break down this process that there might be 20 steps in, but they're only feeling the 20th like a punch in the gut. Mm. So we slow down and we go back in time and track every little thing that happened. Hmm. And we start to uncover, wow, I didn't realize that I do that when your tone of voice changes. And then I get them curious about what might be happening for the other person. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And this, this gets back to something we talked about just a few minutes ago, which is that they're probably making up several stories and making a lot of assumptions about what the other person's thinking and feeling. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I know we're, we're nearing the end of our time here. Um, I think it's very easy when we start looking at these stories we create to then share them with the people around us. And, mm-hmm. and how, do we, how do we shift that? So if you're on the listening end of something that's happening in someone's relationship, how do you then help shift that paradigm back to one of self-reflection? And, and you know, yeah. changing that. Um, it feels like this is where, again, where community comes in. Mm-hmm. Because if, if, if we end up just going and complaining to our, our friends, uh, and they say, yeah, man, that stinks, or yeah, he's a jerk, um, nobody wins here. That's right. just that temporary release valve, and the major pressurizer has not actually been removed from the equation. Mm-hmm. So I think it can really start with you know, slowing down, caring for yourself, um, and finding friends and, and actually asking them to give honest feedback, mm-hmm. which would include potentially like, hey, that thing you did seems kind of neat. Or, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> yeah. can I help me understand a little more here? Because it sounds like you just want me to jump on board and tell you your husband's a jerk, but that doesn't seem productive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels like one of the ways. And, and that self-care piece that we talked about, yeah. how do we individuate and differentiate? Um there might not be anything more important in relationship than uh, doing what you love, even if it comes at the cost of your partner being disappointed, Mm -hmm. your partner maybe even being angry that you're not spending time with him or her. Um, And that's the kind of stuff that will actually help you have a stronger relationship, not the other way around where there's codependence Mm -hmm. uh, and over-dependence on uh, each other. Right. Right. In close, we have about a minute or two left here. Any final thoughts, Jeff? Um, well, I, I want to invite and encourage um, that anyone can do this. I don't want to be Pollyanna here. <laughs> and I, I've been doing it enough that it, 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 the small things matter more than we uh, let on um, for the reasons we talked about earlier. So it even giving it a shot, I would say, you know, invite anybody that's listening to pick one thing that bothers you about your partner um, and make it a small thing. And then check in with yourself about it. Ask yourself, hold yourself accountable. What is it that bothers me? You know, maybe it's back to that, you know, wash cloth in the, in the tub <laughs> thing. Yeah. And, and, and so it's either reconcile with yourself and say it really isn't a big deal and I want to do my work and let go of it. Or reconcile the fact that you need to address it and find out what's going on there and see if the behavior can change. I thank you so much for joining us today. Those that tune in here at the end of the pairing hour, you can find out more about Jeff's work at www.3leavescounseling.com. And again, he is a Reiki and somatic psychotherapist in Boulder, Colorado, and has really charged us today with the task of showing up, meeting weekly in our partnerships and looking at the little things and looking at the vision of the relationship and uh, moving things forward. So thank you again for joining us today, Jeff. You're so welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Have a great evening. Thank you. You as well. Coming up next is Hobart Taylor of the Crystal Egg.